John the Viking Mauser with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today, my guest is Martins Lisis. Um, how are you doing today, Martins? I'm pretty dang great. Thank you, John. Cool. So, uh, a lot to talk about here. You're a busy guy. Um, uh, let's start off. You've been everywhere. <laughs> I've seen you on Instagram. You're you're springing yeah. up competitions everywhere. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? What what are you what are you doing? What's your plans? What what's left for the rest of the year? Well, yeah, it's been one crazy year. Um, so last year was um, I, I intended to do a lot more as well because uh, it's really the last couple years everything's really picked up for me. Um, I'd say after my first World Strongest Man in 2016, I just started to get an insane amount of invites to all sorts of big competitions. And um, so last year, of course, after World Strongest Man, I uh, well before that I got nerve damage and when I got, when I went to Ohio uh, in my right shoulder, so I went to the Arnold Classic stage uh, and performed there with. Uh, I remember I went to uh, go teach a seminar in your gym, John. And yeah. I couldn't even lift up my right arm. <laughs> yeah, and that's true. One, and then one week after that, I went to compete in Columbus, Ohio, in the heaviest contest in the world. And uh, then thereafter, I healed up, finally got my arm to function again for World's Strongest Man, went and competed in the UK as well, and um, even won, got fourth in the world with that slight nerve damage, and uh, won the UK contest, the Ultimate uh, Champions League. Uh, summer mania I won it and then a couple weeks after that tore my right pec and after getting surgery and healing for several months after that right pec injury I tore my left lat a week before the LA Fitness Expo still went and competed won that show so uh, last year again I, I intended to even do more contests it just I couldn't because all it just like for the first time in my life uh, I just got bombarded with like a little injury after injury Whereas before I was completely injury free, so this year I've been just uh, playing a lot slower and smarter than I was last year. I did some stupid things that I went completely against my programming or my own philosophies and principles that got me injured. So this year I've been sticking a lot closer to uh, what I believe is uh, to be the healthiest and more steady path. And here I am now taking on contest after contest. Um, just after Worlds, I went to that same Summer Mania uh, Ultimate Champions League World Championships, uh, and I won it. Uh, soon after, I went to compete in Latvia. Uh, not, not by choice. I really just went to Latvia for, um, for vacation. And while I was there, I was just invited to a Latvian championship, and I got uh, really drunk. And then the next day, went and competed. So... Shoot, now that I'm saying it, I, feel, I realize that the dumb uh, habits are still there. Because um, <laughs> I, I won this competition with a total hangover and I wanted to puke and everything. And then a little bit after that, went to, like right after Latvia, I just flew home, three flights to LA, two flights, then like spent like six hours sleeping in LA, then went two flights to Canada to complete, compete in Warwick for uh, Arnold's qualifier because I intend to get back onto that stage and I got second in that show just seven points behind Brian Shaw I was at 93 and he was at 100 and I again just from I really shouldn't have been doing that contest 
but I slightly tore my left quad there as well. Luckily, it's a, it's a very small tear, so it's already like back to full function. So, oh, if I get to review the, what I was just saying, I no, this year has not been as smart as uh, not been smarter than last year. Um, <laughs> but shoot, I got the uh, um, team world championships coming up again in August in the UK. Mid September, I got Manchester. End of September, I got Barcelona. Another Arnold qualifying contest. And then uh, another Arnold qualifying contest in Poland, and then finally Dubai, which is a really big show that official strongman is putting on with a huge purse of $75,000, which is uh, equal to the Arnold's. And really the idea right now is just I want to uh, I want to do all the biggest shows there are. So Dubai and make it back to that Arnold stage, and of course uh, demolish that world's strongest man. Man, you've so been... that's where I'm at. That was a long rant there for you, but uh, I hope that summarizes it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's a testament to how how dedicated you are, and, and you know, I mean you're you're burning the candle from both ends right now, my man. Um, but yeah, but that's awesome. True. So after I cannot wait until after Dubai, I'm gonna take a couple months off and just really take care of my body, and make sure that all my joints, tendons, and uh, ligaments are ready for next year's onslaught of shows again uh, so this this might be a a silly question but um what are your thoughts on doing uh so many shows in a year i see a lot of people um uh, especially on the amateur circuit they talk and and they say you should save all your energy and just do one show um but i noticed a lot of you guys on the pro level you're doing double digit shows every year uh what are your thoughts on that yeah it's um I ideally, I do want to get to a point where I'm like Brian Shaw and I just do three, two to three shows maximum a year. Uh, the reason I'm doing all these shows is because um, it's, uh, for me, I, I've not learned to say no yet. <laughs> um, that's part of it. And it's been really good money. And um, so, one, so the other thing is it's the money, of course. Um it's my main job right now. Um, but I, I, I do think it's possible to do a lot of shows, stay injury-free. and um, But the thing is, you have to choose two shows at maximum to put all your effort in and prepare for. So that, that's really the trick. If you're taking on a lot of shows, it's possible to do it in a way that's good for your body. But you're going to have to accept that only two of your shows are really going to be uh, are going to shine, and you're going to be your be at your best. And so currently, I'm I'm taking that mentality on, and I'm really only preparing for Barcelona because um, by preparing for Barcelona, I'm going to get back onto the Arnold stage if I win it, or even just get good points. And also that by preparing for that one show, I realize it has the most transfer over to the other shows. So I'm not even looking at the events or touch, like directly training the other shows. All my focus is only going on Barcelona. Very cool. <clears throat> That's pretty exciting stuff. And you think you think that um, that advice carries over uh, on the amateur circuit as well? Maybe. Uh... Absolutely. You should not be preparing for every every show because you can't lift. If you're taking on a lot of shows and you're lifting heavy for every single show, you're just simply not giving your body uh, time to 
recover your tendons, ligaments, and um, you, you just got to go through the lighter periodizations and undulate light to heavy as much as you can, really. You, you got to ideally i only lift heavy i only lift heavy one third of the year okay that's truly the ideal yeah yeah um yes it sounds like your your programming is pretty smart um and, and i follow a lot of what you're doing uh you know on instagram and stuff where you post your videos um and it seems like uh you really know what's going on with all that. You're really taking care of your body. You, you, even the captions to your videos, you talk about it a lot. So it's obvious that you've done um, a decent amount of research and uh, you know experimentation and stuff with that. Um, so I wanted to touch on some of the injuries from last year. And uh, anybody can get injured. It doesn't matter, uh, you know how how smart you train. I mean, that's always a possibility. Um, yeah, but, but I, I would like. To single injury that I've ever gotten has made sense. There's been a lead up of uh, bad choices, I'd say, uh, that basically, well, force on the injury. So anyways, what were you, what were you saying? Um, I was going to say, I think that uh, the shoulder, uh, the nerve injury actually, um, from what I could tell, led to the other two injuries. Um, I, I actually do believe that, yes. Um, so the, the shoulder was, um, you know, obviously weakened from the nerve damage. And then I think that that, uh, you know, led into the, the pec tear. And then, um, I think that that might have led into the lat tear. Could you give us some, some, yeah. ins some insight on that? Yeah. So here's how it went. Um, I do think that's, uh, let's say that's a third of it. Cause uh, what happened was, um, I had to spare, I barely missed up. Uh, amount of points I needed to get into the Arnold Columbus, Ohio stage, the heaviest show in the world. And um, then Big Z dropped out. And two weeks before the show, I'm the next person in line. They call up and invite me to that show. And of course, I've not been training for it. Uh, all these other guys train like, uh, you know, three to six months leading up to that show, getting ready for those heavy, insanely heavy weights. And um, so I'm like here, like kind of like I've deloaded, I've like pulled back from heavy training, haven't really touched any heavy implements for a while. I get this call to do the show, and there's a 1,150 pound frame in it. And so my first thought is, okay, well I gotta see and find out if I could even do these events. So I put on 1,150 pounds on a frame. Um, and then I just see if I can do it. And lo and behold, I do finish the 30-foot run with that weight. However, because I didn't get to uh, periodize for it and steadily build up to it, it was just too much of a shock for my body. And at the end of those 30 feet, I could feel my right shoulder dislocate. And that pulled on my auxiliary nerve, which then shut down my right deltoid. So, so that's how that happened. And basically, long story short, is don't just jump into heavy weights you gotta steadily build up to them and i've known that and it just it was basically push came to shove and i really had to see if i could do those weights that's what caused nerve damage going to my pec well that was after my uh, nerve finally healed i used to love to do gymnastics mostly to warm up before strong pain events and i had stopped doing these back levers 
for about over half a year. And uh, before it was an easy motion for me to do. Uh, however, it's an intense motion and I under it. I underestimated the tension it would put on my uh, joints. So I went into this back lever, held it for a few seconds, and it just like, I think because like you said, my, I wasn't training my tendons in my pec and uh, shoulder all that much during that nerve damage, especially with that kind of tension. And I had not practiced that motion. I jumped into it and lo and behold, I, I tore my right pec doing that, uh, doing something without you know, slowly building myself back up into it because I overestimated my abilities. And then the last one, the, the, the lat tear on the left, um, it was a telephone pole lift. I had to basically uh, just stand up a telephone pole. My friend Jacob Finnerty, who is uh, statically as a smaller deadlift than I, was able to like lift this telephone pole up much quicker than I was. And I noticed that he's basically using this trick where he let his shoulder completely loose and held his butt up high and sort of rocked his weight back and that telephone pole just shot right back, right up. Mm -hmm. I wanted to emulate that. And, we, and I, again, this is one of those dumb moments where I knew I should have tried it with a much lighter weight. I, I, I like to really get my butt low, pull my shoulder blades back typically, draw them down and do it with as perfect of a posture as I can. And I've never been injured that way. So I tried it with my butt up high and let my shoulders loose and round. And from that position with 700 pounds on my hands, some, a technique I've never used before. Yep, there went my lat. And uh, that was it for those three. Mm. So each one had like a little, a, a series of choices before it that I knew were not ideal, which led to injury. Uh, yeah. Um... You know, and, and that's pretty common. I think people, it's easy to make those mistakes, especially when you're put uh, put to the fire like you were with, with the uh, Arnold being two weeks out, you know. Um, that, that's that's just a tough situation uh, at that yeah, point. Yeah, I, I just had to make um, a choice. Like, okay, am I doing this or not? Um, something I do want to touch on. So uh, you tried out the frame, um, and you did the competition weight for the frame. Um yeah. Now I've I've talked to a lot of uh, pros over the years, and um, a lot of a lot of people, um, and I've had I've had some mixed uh, com commentary on this, but a lot of them say they don't do the competition weights in training, that they still base everything off of um, percentage or RPE or whatever you know the case is. Uh, yeah. Um, so do you normally? Uh, train with the competition weights, even even when you have you know more than two weeks notice. Um, I do, uh, but that's only like I said. I choose two contests to put that sort of focus on. All the other ones, I will train lighter. Okay. Um, but like for for two important contests, like uh, only for one, only like one month out, will I actually go up the contest weight though. Okay. So you're not um, you're not typically loading up like six months out. You're you're uh, no. The goal is to build up to contest weight, and then have have done it at least four weeks out. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So like six months out, I will be doing very lightweight for uh, ten to twenty repetitions, depending on the motion. 
then like about halfway through, I, I start working up to like 80% or so. And then only the last third bit of training will be like 90 to 100%. Cool. Um, something else I've noticed that you do with your training is like with your moving events, um, a lot of those seem to be um, more time-based uh, at certain phases of your training. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that, like how you're, you're timing the, uh, the times dictate whether you move up weight or, or how you do that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, it's, it's kind of similar to, um, I like to have a repetition range on a lot of my other motions that, like, of course, you can count repetitions on. And, like, typically, let's say, like, you have three sets of eight to ten. It's a very systematic uh, approach of knowing when you can move up in weight or when you should pull back. So I basically like to have um, create something similar for um, my running events, but that would force me to move my feet fast. Because I notice a lot of amateurs will try to hammer out, try to get up to, like, a yoke that the professionals use and try and like even though they're moving slowly with it they'll try to build up that speed over time and it just never comes that's because you're practicing the wrong motor patterns mm-hmm. so i like to usually choose a time that i know is a winning time and just do weights that um that i could complete that time uh that I kind of run in and then slowly build up the weights while maintaining that uh, motor pattern and uh, keeping that speed as I slowly build up the weights rather than working from heavy backwards trying to build up that speed because it just about will never come. Yeah, and uh, especially on the amateur circuit, you see a lot of um, people, especially with yoke, people love to uh, load the yoke up and they'll put on, you know, three weight belts and, and knee wraps and whatever else, and then they'll load this yoke up to... 900,000 pounds and then they'll struggle and take 10 useless steps with it. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And, and, the, uh, and the funny thing is then they go back down to like 60% of that heavy ass weight they did and it looks the same. Yeah. Yep. So why is that? It's because that's what they practice. So that's the way their body's going to handle those weights. Yeah, and I think that's a very intelligent approach to strongman, but unfortunately, um you're one of very few people I know that uh, that uses that approach. Um, it seems like everybody wants to do the yeah. do the max overload stuff, you know. <clears throat> yeah, that's absolutely true. <clears throat> so uh, let's talk a little bit about um, some moss wrestling. Uh, what's on the oh, yeah. What's on the horizon for you there? I know you won. Um, the world championships, and you had beat beat the uh, uh, undefeated Russian uh, legendary matchup. Um, do you yeah, have you going undefeated for six years? Do you uh, you going to do any more with um, Moss wrestling, or is that on the back burner for now? Or what's your plan? It is. It's definitely on the back burner. I love Moss wrestling, but um, just a matter of fact, it just uh, doesn't pay as well, strong men. Yeah. And uh, I can't, I can't, uh, even though I love it, truly, it's an awesome sport. Um, I, I can't, that, that, it's not worth it to uh, risk that kind of injury, especially in a, a movement pattern that is so unpredictable. Okay. Um, I would like to, I would like to emphasize that I do actually think it's a fairly safe sport. Uh, but like with any sport, it does come with a risk. The 
Jimmy Sport. Yeah, now I was going to say um, a lot of people, I mean a lot of people are are scared of uh, Moss Wrestling. They won't do it. They want nothing to do with it. They, they say it shouldn't be um, in Strongman, blah, blah, blah. It's dangerous. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, what do you think <clears throat> um, about these uh, allegations? kind of love it in Strongman just because it's uh it, it, it adds a little bit more of a one-on-one competitive aspect to it but um if if, if people don't have access to train it, it it's hard for me to say if it should or shouldn't be in Strongman because um the thing is it is a technical sport um it's not hard to learn the technique so in, in many ways it's like when people say like it doesn't belong in strongman because it's a whole different sport, I'm like, well, shoot, man, it, it will take you a weekend to learn the technique, and you'll be, you know, just so you'll have everything you need. Right. Solid weekend of training. So, um, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to tell. I, I think if you're flexible enough and you have even a little bit of experience with boss wrestling, it's solid. It, it's you're gonna be fine. It's mostly safe. If you don't. If you if you have absolutely no no chance to uh, practice with it, and if you're tight, it, it does it does um it can be dangerous. So if every if everybody can learn the basics of it, and I really mean just the basics, it, I think it's a fantastic addition to Shrugman. So it's just a matter of spreading the sport really and making sure that. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think whoever um, competes can at least get their hands on some training. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Think? I th- I think it's pretty safe, um, and, and I love it. I think it should be. I think it should be in every show. <laughs> but um, yeah. But uh, I can see if you're really tight, um, you know. But but that's not the event's problem. That that's the individual's problem. If they're really if they're really tight, and then um, I think too that. If you don't, if you're not willing to practice it, and I think that's the difference. A lot of people say they can't practice it, but I mean, all you need is a a stick and a board. You know, you just got to make it happen. And um, I think it's pretty safe if you, like you said, if you take the time, and if you do it smart, like you do anything else, like don't get on the board with your friend and go 110 percent the first time you do it. You know, take a honest chance to actually figure it out, learn it, practice it, and then start going a little harder. I, I think it's perfectly fine. Um, and that's what you would do with anything else, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, some of the other, um, strength, uh, combat type events, um, like pull push or sumo wrestling or anything like that. Have you, have you had the chance to do any of those? I actually have not done uh, sumo wrestling or pull, uh, pull push. Mm-hmm. Um, I say bring it on. I think any kind of anything that tests strength, grit, and, uh, and power is welcome in the strongman world, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> All right, that's what I wanted to hear. I, I'm I'm a big fan of both. Um, I actually they just had the uh, sumo uh, world championships was just this past weekend in uh, Japan, and. Uh, oh, cool. And I watched that, yeah. and it was it was a really it was really cool to watch. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> so, uh, 
so you're training people uh, and um, doing some seminars and uh, things of that nature. Um, tell us a little bit of about uh, the, the training programs you offer and, and uh, the seminars and stuff that you're doing. to um, get a hold of you for programming, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, the best way to contact me currently is through uh, Instagram. My uh, handle is Martin Sleety, so my first and last name, just together. Or you could email me at martinsleetis at gmail.com. Either work. And uh, w would those be the best ways also for the, uh, the seminars and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Very cool. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I don't know if, uh, I've ever heard this, these stories or not, but could you tell us how did you get into, um, weight training and strength training? When, when did you first touch a barbell and, and what was that like? Oh yeah. That's, uh, I do love that story. Um, when I was about nine years old, I loved playing video games. I was a total couch potato and, um, <laughs> I was kind of out of shape. My dad one day, like, said, okay, so I've had enough. And he, like, pulled me into the gym with him. And he was a total, uh, he loved working out and uh, was total bookworm about it and very technical about his approach. Um, and he basically just coached me and everything he knew. And in the beginning, I hated it. Uh, but he kind of kept pushing me to do it and said, if I don't like it after a year, I could stop. So, but after a year, lo and behold, I also fell in love with it. And, um... I would also visit my father during this period of my life. I would visit my uh, grandfather and grandmother's farm in Latvia um, during the summers. And my grandfather was um, a sculptor, like a stone sculptor. And um, he would teach me how to move these giant stones and uh, boulders around for him, for him to make uh, sculptures. And uh, I would get really strong basically doing this farm work and moving stones and stuff in the farm in Latvia. And one day I saw on TV these guys are uh, basically doing uh, farm work for competition. And I thought, you know what? I can do that. I definitely belong. Like, when I'm older, I'm going to be on that, on that TV screen. I'm going to be one of the strongest men in the world. I just want to see what the human body is capable of doing. Very and uh, cool. so then I continued lifting and, uh, 
was fascinated with just lifting stones and I would actually start doing it more for fun. And um, over the years, I just got very strong. As a, as a 15, 16 year old, I was already stronger than just about all of the adults in the gym. Uh, and um, then as I turned 20, I moved out to California. And at this period of my life, I thought, okay, I really want to get into these contests. What I got to do? So I, uh, you know, in California, I called up uh, some uh, uh, folks. I basically was looking at the contests that are in the area. I saw one at the LA Fitness Expo. And I uh, called up the number for it to see if I could get invited or just, like, sneak my way in there. Oh, Haugen picks up. I did not know it was him on the other side of the phone. And he asked me what my strengths are. And I kind of tell him where I'm at. And he says, oh, yeah, you're a very strong guy, but, you know, not quite strong enough for this contest, you know, in his heavy Norwegian accent. <laughs> uh, and I said, well, okay, hold on. I just want to get a foot into the strongman world. I just want to network. I really don't care how I do in the contest. I just want to um, meet some guys to train with. He's oh, why don't you just say so? You can just uh, come on over to my garage and uh, train with me. And uh, then there we go. I just show up at this guy's garage. I'm starstruck because I had no idea I was speaking to the legendary old Algen, <laughs> somebody I've been watching on TV for years. And then we begin training. And... Uh, Every year, I ask him if I could do that same show I first asked about, and he keeps telling me, no, I'm not strong enough. <laughs> Finally, after three years of competing, and of getting third place in California and uh, second place in Nationals, he, uh, he says, okay, I, I could do the show. And I am just excited. I start training harder than I've ever trained before. And um, after a grueling long two days of competing there, I won the show. I won my pro card, and um, that got some interest in uh, Colin Bryce to get me out to uh, Giants Live in Iceland. Nice. Go and compete in Iceland against Hopler Bjornsson, Mark Felix. I even ended up winning the truck bowl, winning the stones, placing top uh, top four in like a um, mooring big carry for distance. And uh, in the end, I got third place in that show, which was uh, the invite to Worlds strongest man in 2016 that I got and that's when my training went up with yet another level and I got became obsessed I knew I had to make it to the finals and I did and I've been back there three times and made a world strongest man in the finals three times now man that is that is a, an awesome story <laughs> yeah it has been an awesome adventure yeah, very, very cool stuff. Um, man, yeah, I can't even imagine just showing up at somebody's house and it being out <laughs> Right. What a day. What a day that was. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so uh, tell me a little bit about, so you've done a lot of shows. Um, what's been uh, your favorite show so far? Man, this last year and the year before were amazing. Um, 
just to be out and first in Africa and then of course Phil. I would say probably my first actually no, I take it back, my first and second uh World's Strongest Man shows because going to Botswana that first time to be surrounded by those legendary giants of strength and to then also compete next to them and, and match them and beat them and then lose to them here and there. It was amazing. Then to stand with the top ten finalists in this this opposite side of the world's place I thought I'd never be in. Um, but it's hard. There's so many other shows that really stick out to me. Like Iceland was amazing too because of uh, how different that uh, that little country is from the rest of the world. It, it looks like you're landing on Mars or something. <laughs> you fly over there. And um, oof, I love California's strongest man as well because it's right on the beach and sunny and beautiful. And yeah, it's, it's been a lot. It's been a lot of amazing adventures. Amazing experiences. Warwick, right. Canada is also amazing because of the crowd. It's 10,000, like, well, six to seven, I don't know, 8,000 people just right there in the bleachers watching us. Oh, that's and of awesome. course, oh man, the Glenn Ross's shows are great too because he has, uh, he just, when you walk out there and he introduces you as an athlete, it's like fire just like explodes right behind you and <laughs> just throw up your arms, just scream, hell yeah! And like, you're just, and you just you're on. You're competing. Yeah. In front of a thousand people. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so to change gears a little bit, um, back to training. Uh, so we talked about the moving events and kind of the rep work and stuff, and in the periodization, it seems to me like a lot of uh, your training methods come from uh, the old school or. Um, you know, some of the older methods, uh, would you say that, that that's fairly, yeah, fairly accurate? It, it's, it's very true. I, uh, unintentionally so. I just, uh, I've sort of started lifting that way and I've found that it's steadily worked and it's kept me injury free. Um, and, um, it's gotten me where I'm at. So I've kind of come to this conclusion of if it ain't broke, why fix it? Right. Um, and I've later on, <laughs> like in the last couple of years, I started looking at Bill Kazminer's old uh, programming, and it's actually very similar to the way he approached his training as well. Uh, so that was pretty interesting to come to that realization that accidentally I've been training very similar similar to Bill Kazminer. <laughs> that that's awesome. You can't go wrong there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Were there any? Uh... Uh, like sources or any um, any influences for that? I mean, did you read a book or did you did you watch some videos and kind of learn these methods? What what really put it all brought that all together for you? Um, my heaviest phase uh, principles and philosophy uh, come from some of the writings of Christian Thibodeau, a world-renowned uh, strength coach, um, and he taught and he he's also compiled a lot of different training methods from uh, Bulgarian weightlifting and. Russian weightlifting and also and just uh, powerlifting and also bodybuilding and he's kind of put it all together in a, in a system of um, combining hypertrophy and power and then like building muscle and then optimizing the strength for that muscle. And I really like to think about it that way. That and during my lighter phases of hypertrophy, I'm kind of building up my muscle, not necessarily getting stronger, but building more room to get strong 
to that way in my heaviest phases, I've been tried to, I basically work to make that muscle as efficient and as, as effective as possible when I cycle through this um, methodology. And, and just talking to um, other coaches, um, I've, I've realized that working with higher repetition ranges helps build up, uh, build up tendon strength and um, integrity. And a lot of my bodybuilding actually comes from uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger encyclopedia of bodybuilding. Um, In my very young days, I wanted to actually, just as much as I wanted to do strongman, I wanted to do bodybuilding, I wanted to do powerlifting, I wanted to do weightlifting. I was torn between all of it. And um, as a kid, I actually did mostly bodybuilding. That was uh, very much so based on Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, methodologies. And, And then more recently, I... Forgot, I think it's Mike Metzer. Yes. He won Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Um, I've lately, I love his um, approach to doing just one hard working set between six to ten, taking to absolute failure per muscle group to build muscle. So lately, um, I've sort of adapted Mike Metzer's methods in addition to my um, strength training. So I'll do like my compound lifts that I really want to get stronger the beginning of my training and then i'll throw in accessories at the end oftentimes leading towards more of like a one set taken to failure uh sort of approach just because it saves time energy and ultimately there's no point to doing extra sets if you just want to build muscle mass right very cool um man that sounds that sounds great and then uh ode haugen obviously um has uh coached you and uh, i'm sure he's got some of the uh old school methods i'm sure that's one of his his uh go-to's right yeah absolutely so i guess one other thing i've adapted over the time is old haugen uh trains a lot of frequency um in his early days he trained almost every single day but um just very kind of on the lighter side but he would basically do a full body workout almost every single day with a different emphasis so whatever he was recovering, he was working a lot lighter and easier. Whatever he wanted to hit hard, he hit hard. And then he would just kind of undulate and change his approach the next day to allow whatever he just hit hard to recover and so forth. Um, so I've, I've taken a bit of that on. Pretty much almost all of my workouts are full body at some extent just to keep the higher frequency. But I like to have like at least two to three days off completely in a week where I just stretch, roll out, and uh, rest my body. Cool. <clears throat> um, so we have uh, Strongman Corporation Nationals is uh, on the horizon in uh, the end of October. And um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, some of the events uh, seem to, to be um, a little grip-oriented, and a lot of people are in a panic over uh, the amount of grip um, that's at nationals uh a lot of grip work has really fallen to the wayside in strongman over the years especially on the amateur side of things um do you have any advice that you could give uh to the listeners out there that uh, might be training for nationals and 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 need to get their uh grip up to speed yeah i think uh, one of the events is like a frame deadlift with a axle thickness uh and grips um yeah Let's say just do uh, rack pulls with an axle, a double overhand, um, 
you're probably not going to get up to as much weight as you would with that frame. Don't worry about it. Don't fret. Another option is, uh, so one day, practice your motor skill, like actually practicing that, um, the movement of that frame uh, with regular grip. And then afterwards, uh, do 10 to 15 second holds, multiple sets, like four to six sets, with an axle in a rack, maybe only have to lift it two inches off the rack. Work as heavy as you possibly can, and just see if you can hold an axle double overhand for max weight for 10 to 15 seconds for many, many sets. That will definitely help you. And one thing with grip is you need a lot of frequency. So um, aim to train it at least four times a week. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's quality information, and I don't think a lot of people... Um outside of uh like grip sport or arm lifting usa are training grip four times a week um so a lot of the yeah. people a, a lot of the people out there training for nationals if they made that kind of a switch they'd probably see uh pretty fast results i would say well big time see the thing is uh, the smaller the muscle the bigger it um the quicker it recovers first of all and um so you with smaller muscles, you could really start pounding them much more frequently and harder than you kind of need to. Because, of course, the smaller muscle has less room for improvement, but to, but on the bright side, you could hit that muscle so much more often, it'll recover in time for you to be able to hit it hard again. Yeah, uh, you're and you're quite the uh, you're quite the grip monster yourself. Um, I believe you're in the top you know, three and top five on some of the uh, leaderboards at um, Arm Lifting USA. Um, yeah. The funny thing is I'm not even aware of it because it's always like at the tail end of a, a, a training session, Old Hawkins like, go, come on, try this thing out. We're doing it for, you know, to set world records and see where you're at. And then <laughs> I do it and I end up in the top. I truly don't train those things. <laughs> That's crazy, but but you are you are training grip though. I I am training grip, but I don't like to play with silly toys that look funny. I just like to train it just very basic ways. I like basic, there's only a few types of grip. So um, the way I like to see it is that there's closed grip, which is any kind of handle where you can fully wrap your hand around. That's one type of grip. Uh, there's open grip. That's like axle. And like a thick, you know, anything that's too thick for you to wrap your hand around fully. There's wrist flexion, the kind of grip you need on the stone. And then there's also like pinch grip, which is kind of unique and not that useful in strongman, so you could kind of ignore it. Uh, and also, Axel somewhat trains pinch grip as well. Uh, so I really just focus on three, which is close grip, open grip, and then wrist flexion. Very cool. And, and you're doing that at least four days a week. Yeah, three to four days a week, um, depending. Yeah, very cool. And uh, now I know uh, Ode Haugen does grip just about every day, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he does. Yeah, he pretty much does. Uh, he's got some. Uh, he's got some uh, super strong hands. Um, yeah, they're they're absolutely out of this world. So I, I I guess I could start playing with those toys is uh yeah yeah i'll, I'll consider it <laughs> yeah i guess i guess if Ode doing it you, you <laughs> there's not much of an argument against it i suppose yeah, <laughs> yeah it's 
that up, I'm like, well, maybe I should be using the rolling thunder a little bit more. Yeah, no, but I, I know what you're saying. Some, some, uh, well, you know, with, with the invention of um, grip sport and arm lifting, and now that grip is like has its own uh, subgroup where people just do grip, there has been um, a lot of uh, like implements and training tools that have sprung up that uh, that I don't think are very useful as far as like getting strong. I think they're great as like a display of strength. Like, hey, wow, that's great, you can do that. Exactly. But, uh, it's like I, I I I pretty much only do that kind of stuff during you know grip contests. Yeah, yeah. Like they have those uh, those little they're like little squares, but then they have like half of a quarter welded onto it, and you have to pinch the little quarter and lift it. Um, I don't oh think gosh, yeah. I, I don't think that has much carryover to any. Yeah, you see, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to put my time in training that simply because it doesn't help the strongman. But if you're doing grip contests, of course, train that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel the same, the same way. And, uh, and I've even, I did a grip competition uh, a few months ago and um, I was happy with my performance there, but there were a few events there where uh, I didn't really bother throwing them into the training routine because it was like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to get out of this. So, you know, I might have done a little bit better had I, but uh, I don't think it was worth it in the bigger scheme of things. <clears throat> yeah, I hear you. So uh, you uh, you got a Mauser block, um, and it's been a, a few months back. Um, and uh, what, what do you think so far? You've had a little bit of time to play with it, and I think you guys no, used I'd it. Look- It's, it's held up to your to your abuse, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. They're, they're tough as hell. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I swear, it was, that, that, that thing could hold a nuclear blast. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. They they're uh, that's that's half the that's the design, man. They're they're supposed to last a lifetime. So I think, uh, but yeah. <clears throat> I, I want to ask you because if if anybody can. Uh, Caused some damage. It might have been you, but <laughs> but uh, it's... yeah, that thing is. I love it. I am a huge fan. <clears throat> I don't know what time it is over there, but uh, I'm sure you're probably ready to go uh, eat and recover and rest up for your next adventure. So um, I'll let you jump I'm off gonna, of here. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat so much. You don't even understand, John. 
I'm gonna eat everything, everything I can. There you go. What do you uh, What do you weigh in these days? Uh, about three thirty-five at my heaviest. About like three thirty when I'm uh, completely empty. Yeah. <laughs> That's about a, about a five-pound fluctuation daily. Wow. All righty. Well, um, I'll let you go, and I'd love to have you back on sometime. Um, check out Martine's Lisi's uh, on Instagram. Um, if you're interested in online coaching, hit him up um, and uh, seminars. He'll he'll come out to your gym or, or wherever and um, get him booked in a seminar. He's very knowledgeable and uh, very technical and um, definitely worth checking out. This has been another episode of Get Strong or Die.